Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. World traveler Nikki Kinzer. Oh, yeah. Well, all the way to Philadelphia. Well, it was that one time. That went one time. You went to Philadelphia, also in the world. Once a year, uh, I you, get out of town. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, We're going to be talking about your big world travel just a couple of weeks ago. You finally, you're back. You've had a chance to center, to find your mindful space. And it's time to tell us all about the chat at a conference and lessons learned. And you had a big pivot uh, in the middle of this conference. Spoiler, it's a doozy. It is. I don't know. I'm just building drama. But it is, uh, it's, you learned a lot. And I'm very excited to hear you recap this for everybody because um, this, it seems like a big year for you personally, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as always professionally. Absolutely. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list and you'll get an email with the latest episode each week. Connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And if this show has ever touched you in any way that has helped to support the way you live with your ADHD, we encourage you to visit Patreon.com slash The ADHD Podcast and consider joining the others who have decided to support the show and uh, support its continued development and production. Uh, That's the first thing you get is just you get to go to sleep at night and think, hey, ADHD Podcast isn't going anywhere. Next Tuesday, I'm going to get another episode because I'm part of the group that's supporting it. But you know what else you get? Unless we're on vacation. Well, you know, okay. I'm sorry. I just have to There's be, always a thing. you know, transparent. The other thing... It's not every week. <laughs> the other thing you get is uh, you get access to early release episodes. If You can come and join us in the live stream recording, depending on the level you choose to support us. And you get access to uh, uh, Pete and Nikki in all kinds of fun ways. And uh, just head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to get to know that. And also, I just have to say, look, this is for the live stream. And if you're not on live stream, you don't get to see this. What? Look at that. That's right. You can't hear me. I'm talking through a shirt. This is the Squirrel, 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 Squirrel podcast shirt. And that's the front, and it's got the squirrels on it, and it's fantastic. And on the back, it says, Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. And it's so classy. This is the Heather Blue. I just got it. And I would be wearing it, but I wore it yesterday, and now it's stinky. Oh, well, I'm glad you're not wearing it. Yeah. So I'm. I actually, it's 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 weirdly classy. This shirt. Uh, it seems like such a such a joke, but I put this on and I feel like 
I'm a proper lad. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. ADHD podcast uh, stuff is uh, over in our Tee Public store, and uh, you should check that out as well. Link in the show notes and on the website. So we also have, oh my goodness, get a load of this, the Accountability Group Coaching 2020. Gosh, that sounds so weird. I mean, 2020 seems so far off, but it's I not. Know. It's a few weeks from And yet now. you can see it so clearly. Yes, it's crazy. Do you get what I did there? Oh, 2020. 20, oh, you yeah, are so It was clever. a vision joke. It was a vision joke. It was a kind of an onion of humor. Go yeah, ahead. It's good. It's good. All right. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I appreciate your humor. <laughs> All right. So, yes, <laughs> accountability group coaching 2020 with great vision. Ooh, I really should like wrap something yeah. about that. Yeah, like we need vision to be doing 2020. Some of mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Marketing idea just popped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so beginning the week of January 13th, uh, the days and times are still to be, to, you know, to be announced. So I want to be, um, honest about that. I haven't quite decided what's going to work best, but I will figure that out soon and I will let you know. Uh, but it will be for 10 weeks. We are going to be meeting weekly for 90 minutes. Um, plus there's check-ins and communication with the group in between sessions. And you get one individual coaching session with me to use whenever you like. So a lot of the uh, outline and and agenda is very similar to what I've done in the past. Um, Biggest difference is that I will have a very specific topic and and they all sort of um, blend in together to explore as a group from week to week. Uh, Each member is still going to have the opportunity to share their updates on whatever their focus is for that week. So that's where the accountability comes in. And uh, at the end of the call, we will also set new intentions for the next week. So it's a great opportunity uh, to to work with like-minded people uh, as support. Uh, you get new ideas, you get inspiration, motivation, you get feedback from me. It's a great thing. So I definitely um, recommend checking it out. If you have questions specifically, you can email me at Nikki at TakeControlADHD.com. And if you'd like to sign up, you can go to the website and uh, there's a little special page for accountability group and you can sign up there. But I have a feeling that Pete, you will also put this in the show notes as well, right? I will. I'm going to do that. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to set up a page so that people can register. Seems like that's a thing I should do. I just think that's great idea. Number one. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. uh, yeah. So uh, that's definitely, uh, you know what? I, I've been reflecting on this a little bit. These accountability groups, it's been a couple of years. How long have you been doing these accountability groups? Oh, for, for the gosh. Several years, years, actually. At, at least Something probably like that, four. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so much of what I've been reading in Discord, the people who are um, coming in and talking about like how it's so hard to find a new routine, like this, this is uh, this is it. Like this is how you do it. And, and to, uh, if this is what it takes for you to, to find a new routine to be able to invest in in yourself a little bit to to get over the hump of not having anybody to be accountable to these weekly you know habits are huge and Absolutely. Uh, so i i it's it's hard it's not an easy thing but if it's time for you you'll know it and it's mm-hmm. it, it may just be time to to do the hard thing to face the demons and and uh, get started work on that right, vision Nikki. in 2020 work <laughs> on that vision oh <laughs> You can Love see that. so clearly. I know, right? Mm. Oh. And so how. much with that we can do. Nikki Kinzer, you're back from Philadelphia. It's time to talk about Chad. Chad. The Chad. It's ch- actually ch- wait. At a kutstibukstika.com acronym. 
Yes, it's not really Chad. It's not the Chad Conference anymore. It is the ADHD International. (laughs) International. Now, see, I can't remember. It's the International ADHD Conference hosted by Chad, Ada, and ACO. Okay. So three different organizations. ADHD Int Conf, Chad, Ada, Oko. It's big. It's Mm -hmm. big. Yes. That's what it is. It's a big acronym. It but is. Big acronyms mean big lessons. Big lessons. Check out that segue. Yes. And uh, this year was not any different than any other year. It was a great opportunity to uh, meet people, see people that I haven't seen, that I see on a yearly basis, basically. Um, people, that, you know, from my profession, like coaches, experts, doctors, all of those, some of our guests. Um, you know, I saw many of our guests actually there. That's at the right. Conference. ADHD professionals turned podcast guests. Yes. They've yes. really reached new heights. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met a lot of people who just listened to our show and was there as an adult with ADHD learning or as a parent uh, with an ADHD child or a parent with ADHD and an ADHD child. I mean, there were all different kinds of people there uh, for different reasons. And so it was always, uh, it's always humbling to me, Pete, when somebody recognizes me and says, oh, I love your podcast. And, and then followed up, where's Pete? Oh, <laughs> Is right. Pete here? <laughs> Where and then is the Pete? sad trombone. <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> not this time, but next year, yeah. hopefully you will be there because they, well, they do want to yeah. know where you are. It's, it's definitely going to happen next year. It's been too many years that I have uh, I've not done it. And it's actually in Dallas next year, right? Yes. Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. So it's, it's uh, even easier to get to. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, very excited. So today I'm going to share uh, some of my takeaways from the conference, and uh, there were many different topics that were covered. And what I decided to do for this show is I, I'm going to be covering three different sessions that I found to be interesting. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the comments um, from the speakers that really resonated with me. I figured it would better to be kind of narrow it down to three than to tell you every session I went to, because that would be a really long and boring <laughs> podcast, to be honest. So <laughs> let's just settle on long. I, I have higher hopes for okay, thank uh, the you. engagement. It's long. It's long, right? So but I, let's I, uh, let's take that because you went with. with I, I guess I want to start with the overall your overall impression of your experience at the conference. You came back and it felt like you were surprised at how you just sort of reacted to the experience this year. Well, I was surprised, but that is also because I have some personal things going on in my life that made that made this very surprising. So. What happened is I went to this conference with the mindset of of an ADHD coach, right? I wanted to do. learn. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I I go to the conference for a couple of different reasons. Um, one is to network and meet with people, and and you know hopefully talk to some people who will become guests and will become guests on the show again. So there's definitely you know some of that. Uh, it is to re-engage with people that I talk to um, periodically, the other coaches, um, and, and be able to have that face-to-face contact. And But it's also to get my CE credits because I am a certified um, ADHD coach. And in order to keep that certification, I have to have you know so many credits um, every three years. Well, when I first went to the conference, that's definitely the mindset that I went in. And on Thursday, all the sessions were about coaching. So that is the coach, you know, that was what I went in uh, thinking about and and uh, sure. all of that. 
But after Thursday, my mind shifted and, and it really changed to being a parent with an ADHD daughter who has not been diagnosed yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what's happening in my life is we are in a process right now where we're trying to get her properly evaluated. It has not been an easy process for a lot of different reasons. And I will certainly talk about that at a later time about my daughter's journey. But I just want to give some people, you know, some reference of why I walked away as being a parent. Okay. Okay. So there we go. <laughs> so I'm with you. Yes. So, okay. The first session that I talked uh, or that I want to talk about isn't really anything to do with me being a parent. It really was about motivation. And um, it was about uh, ADHD and how ADHD affects your motivation and how it's really hard for ADHD to get excited or an ADHD or to get excited about long-term goals. You relate to that? A little, yeah, I do. And I'll tell you where my head was just now it, because we've been talking so much about, well, uh, part of the problem is this executive function thing. When when my ADHD is up, I go, I all of the tools that I have to regain focus are inward, right? They're right. like in inward inside of me and not external. And so it's hard to get excited about things outside when I feel like I've lost control inside. Right. And And so that's a that's where my head was just now. I don't know if that if that relates to to that experience. But. Well, absolutely. Well, and and if, when we think about motivation, I mean, motivation is is you know the drive to do something, right? It's it's the drive to take that step forward. And yeah. what happens with the executive functions and with ADHD is that ADHDers are less sensitive to consequences um, because the lesson of not doing something or doing something that they were supposed to be doing isn't necessarily learned or remembered. Right. So it's that, Mm -hmm. it's that I did it and I should, you know, people will say, well, you should learn your lesson, but with ADHD, that's not necessarily true. It's like, you don't remember what happened. And so the motivation can be affected that way. Right. that's That's fascinating because like you can, I can see that in my own kids and I can see that in myself. And that is one of those things, even though my kids, uh, you know, who at this point they do have words to describe it, but before they did, it would happen and they wouldn't learn the lesson. And then I, have the words and have been working actively on this for almost 20 years mm-hmm. and I still don't learn the lessons. And that is a a shocking side effect of ADHD that I'm, it constantly amazes me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in one of the, the strategies that this uh, speaker was talking about was to really give time or, or give yourself time to link your values to your goals. And that really resonated with me because I thought, huh, I wonder how often, and and I'm just being honest, I I wonder how often I really do talk to my clients about their values. Not Mm -hmm. often enough to be, you know, to be completely honest. And so that's why I go to these conferences is to, you know, to to think about these things. So it it goes more into asking yourself these questions when you want, when you want change or you want to be able to do something, right? You're motivated to do something. What makes it important to you right now? That's a great question, but we also need to connect that to what makes it important and then how does it correlate to your values? Why is it going to work with your value system? And students actually tend to do better in school if they can connect their values to their goals. So if their goal is to get an A out of this class, well, let's talk about 
why is that important? What what value do you see in getting that A? And everybody's, you know, answer is going to be different, but they could say, well, integrity, um, hard work, drive, um, you know, anything that is of value to them, that's what that A is representing. But somebody else could say, well, my goal is to just get a B. And I, I say just, but that that doesn't mean that that's any less than an A. Right. Um, because they know it's going to be hard work. So I'm going to persevere. That is a value of mine. And so when they can see that, they can, they can um, find that motivation. Yeah. Which I Absolutely. thought was really, really well. Important. Yeah, and that and let that be with ADHD is going to be you know an order of magnitude more challenging than an yes. easy A for for someone who's not living with ADHD. Well, absolutely, and yeah, that goes into a whole nother thought yep. process. But yep. um, absolutely. So the next point that uh, I thought was really important was to think about your belief system. And again, I thought that this was really. Um, a good reminder. It's those, it's those limiting beliefs that you and I talk about so often. So to be motivated, you have to have the desire and belief that you have the ability to change. So if you don't believe that you can change something or you don't believe that something could be better or different, um, then we're really going to be keep, we're going to keep hitting, you know, our heads against that wall. So those limiting beliefs really have a lot to do with our motivation. And so we have to look at these. We have to work through them. We have to, uh, you know, do whatever we can to stop believing those things and really start um, opening up the, the door of opportunity. You know, I feel like the, the next lesson is something I've been thinking a lot about, which is, you know, trying to find meaning once you get over the hump of those limiting beliefs in the the things that you are doing the actions that you're taking well because it i mean think about when you're first motivated or inspired to do something you're really excited right so you're going to yeah. you're going to get up early you're going to do everything you said you were going to do um and that first day is going to feel great and then the second day is not going to feel so great and third grade or the third day is really not going to feel great so what what i got out of this point was really think about what you want to work on and do just one or two things that are meaningful than trying to work on everything at one time. Because we know, I mean, the science backs it up. You don't have to be a researcher to figure this out. If you try to change everything all at once, it's not going to happen. And so it's those small steps. It's those small habits. It's those um, being able to see that, okay, today wasn't as great as yesterday, but my limiting belief isn't going to stop me from trying again tomorrow. The, the roadblock piece, the thing that actually triggers limiting beliefs is when you work, if, is when you have a high degree of motivation to do something new that you're excited about and run into something for which your skills and abilities do not currently allow you to complete it. Right. Right. That's not to say that I can't train myself. I can't get the right education. I can't learn the right things to actually, for, for crying out loud, I can't watch the right YouTube video to learn how to do this thing. But what I run into is my motivation falls so low after that first roadblock that a limiting belief is, is it, it's born. It erupts from the ground, not as a little sprig, but as a mighty oak. Right. And then <laughs> I decide, you know what? It's time to for, uh, for a little bit of Seinfeld. 
Over well, classic Seinfeld. Well, he's that whole show is hilarious. Uh, but no, you know, <laughs> something that when you were saying that, that is so true when it comes to the expectations of what we think we can get done in a day. When we look at our to-do list, our daily to-do list, and we think, oh, we can do these 10 things. And it's not even that you can't actually do the task. You can do the task. You just yeah. don't actually have the time. So that whole ADHD time thing has really gotten away from you. And, you know, you can't add more hours in the day. So it has absolutely nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. Right. The time just isn't there to do it. And so um, one of the things that I want people to think about, and this was really interesting because I wrote this, like I think, in caps. When you're anticipating the roadblocks of what might happen with your motivation, think of it this way. If this happens, dot, 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 then I do dot, 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 dot. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I'm, you know, if if I don't get everything done on my to-do list, then I will, or, you know, you can rephrase that however you want. But I think that that's really important is to actually think it through and think about what could, what could potentially happen. And again, what is the opportunity there? You know, you know, I, I just a, a callback to another life. Um, I was in public relations for a long time. And um, one of the things I had to do at public relations for a university was helped coordinate signal response to uh, trauma training. So when you're, you know, when there's an active shooter drill or when there's a disease outbreak and, you, you know, some sort of crisis uh, happens at the university, what are the steps that we go through to actually respond to this crisis? And the th- the thing I learned, I don't actually know if this is, I, I didn't actually read this anywhere, but uh, I I was told that this is a, it's very much a military thing, like a Marine crisis management um, is that uh, Marines aren't prepared just because they're looking at the next crisis over the horizon. They're prepared when they're looking at the next crisis over every horizon, right? Mm-hmm. That it's not just the one thing that that's going to trip you up. It's a number of things, maybe things happening at the same time that are completely unrelated that you're going to have to find a way to wrap your head around. I really love the idea of documenting the multiple horizon theory of crisis in ADHD because, right. you know, for you to be able to write a bullet, just a sentence on a paper that says, if this happens, then I do this. If this next thing happens, then I do this thing. And maybe the things you respond, the way you respond is the same for a number of bullets, but at least you've gone through the activity of trying to flush out worst case scenarios. And that gives you a lot more sort of control or power or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, um, yeah, I I think agency in how you respond when things go wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. Enough out of me. Uh, a couple, just two more things I wanted to add about this particular uh, session is the uh, importance of revisiting your goals, revisit your values, recognize your progress. So it is it is a journey. And so we want to continue to look at those things. And for the people that uh, are on the live stream, you'll see that behind me is my vision board. I add to it periodically whenever something um comes to me that that I want to add to it, I do. So it has actually grown, you know, if you mm-hmm. look at the beginning, what it looked like at the beginning of the year and what it looks like 
you know, today. And, uh, and, but that's a way for me to always be reminded of what's important and what I'm doing and, and my intention. And so it is important that we keep that in front of you, especially for ADHD years, because as we said at the beginning, it's too easy to not only forget, uh, the lessons and the consequences and the benefits, but it's easy to forget what our goals are. <laughs> so <laughs> we need to have those in front of us. Uh, something else I want to say is they they also, and again, I wrote this down in, in caps too, trial and error is a part of life with ADHD. Yeah. And I just thought that was beautiful. I just thought that was a beautiful thing to say. You know, trial and error is a part of life with ADHD. A lot of what um, I got out of this conference was acceptance, accepting, um, you know, ourselves for who we are. We don't need to be fixed. We don't, we're not broken. Um, Somebody had mentioned that it's not time management that needs to be changed. It's just your relationship with time has to be reevaluated. I mean, there's just these things that I, I really got out of of the conference as a whole. And, and it was definitely this acceptance that this is just part of it. And, uh, and you know, you're going to find good things, and you're going to find bad things and you keep going. And is that is that candlelight dinner with Jason Mraz on your vision board? Is that what I see back there? Oh, my oh, gosh. Well, don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, let's talk, uh, let's talk about uh, Ross Green. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, Dr. Ross Green. Oh man, I was so excited when I found out he was going to be a keynote speaker. So he is the author of The Explosive Child. And I got to tell you, this book was important to me and my husband for a long time. So people that have listened to this show for as many years as, as we've been on it, you know that I've had some interesting experiences with raising my son <laughs> and now raising my daughter. So, but this book was was recommended to us by our therapist and, and said, you know, you got to read this book. And so when I found out that Dr. Green was going to be there, I was really excited. And his whole message throughout the hour and a half, two, two hours or whatever that he uh, he spoke Power and control causes conflict. Collaboration and problem solving brings people together. Mm. And he said that over and over again. And he he would say, I can't I can't give you power, but I can give you influence. And everybody oh, that was lovely. there, yeah, everybody that was listening to that keynote and listening to the show, they know exactly what I'm talking about because he kept saying that I can't give you power, but I can give you influence. Top five skills that we all need to be on the better side of human nature. So this is what I want to talk about because this is what he, this is what he's saying as parents, we want to uh, influence our children. Number one, empathy. Two, how we affect others. Three, how we resolve conflict. Four, how we look at other people's perspectives, and five, honesty. So this, this is these are the five skills you need to have to be on the better side of human nature. So he's asking the audience, as a parent, are we teaching these skills to our children? Are we modeling them um, for ourselves? So again, throughout that speech, I can't give you control, but I can give you influence. Uh, he says our kids benefit from our experience, wisdom, and values. We influence through the expectations that we set. 
But if you try to do this with power and control, you have no influence. Boy, I Mm. have two teenagers and this couldn't, I mean, this is so true. (laughs) You can get in a power struggle I mean, so quick with these teens. Uh, so it was a real, it was a real big aha moment. Um, you know, he, he said, don't focus on the behavior. You want to, to stop trying to modify behavior because at that point it's too late. So if somebody, if, if your child broke a curfew or your kid got suspended or got sent to the, the, to the principal's office, it's too late if we're trying to modify the behavior at that point. So what he's saying is we have to start looking at problems before they happen. We have to be proactive and we have to solve them together. And that's how we invite them into the conversation with that with us. So wow. that's how we influence them. Uh, that was one of the biggest things I remember when I had younger children is, you know, try to to talk to your kids before they get on the hamster wheel. Because once they're on that hamster wheel, it's done. You just yeah, have to play out. Up. Yeah. Right. You have to play it out until they're done. <laughs> That's right. Ride it out. Ride it out. Yes. So one of the things he said, and this is one of the things I loved about this the speech, is that, yes, he's talking about this, but he also kind of gave us tools, you know, of what to do. So he says, make a list of problems, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny, but it's true. I mean, we all yeah. have problems, right? So make a list of the, of these problems. Figure out what your expectations are as a as a parent, why those expectations are important to you, and can the child meet the expectations? Because some children are going to lack the skills to meet your expectations. And so that may mean that parents need to reduce what they're expecting their children to do. And that was a big, huge aha moment, too, because timeouts never worked with my son. And it was so frustrating because people will be like, well, put him in a timeout. And I'm like, you don't understand. It doesn't work. He will follow me around. Mom, 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 mom. (laughs) I can't get him to be by himself. And so when you start to realize that, okay, what, at least for me, I, I can't discipline him and do the same things with him as maybe other people can do with their children. So we really had to think about, you know, what are our, what are the problems? What are our expectations? And something that Dr. Green said is it may mean that the child needs medication because that is helping that child with those executive function skills to match the expectations given. Um, but it also, again, may mean that as parents, we have to be flexible. We have to meet our children where they are at that time. That's so interesting because that just the act of making that list, it's like a zero-based budgeting approach to emotional expectations and skills, right? Like I have this list of things that I want my child to be able to accomplish, but I have to start by saying, here are all of those things. And then below this line of energy, motivation, you know, satisfaction, general well-being are the skills that they don't know how to do that somehow are still on that list. And what am I doing to help them manage to the point that they can actually start moving my my line of expectations down so that they're capable of doing more stuff. 
and and have and and are stretching their capability every day, even in just a little way. How am I teaching? And and I don't approach it that way either as a parent. Like I I definitely approach accommodations you know, as a way around or rethinking those expectations, when in fact, it may be, if I do a better job of making this list, there are things I can do that, that and and teach and present in a way that will increase what they're able to expect of themselves. Right, right. It's That's fascinating. It, it is fascinating. And I, you know, I'll be the first to admit. And and after I went to this talk, I, I called my husband immediately and I was like, we got to talk about this because yeah. we really have to think about how we're approaching things with our teenager, you know, because again, that power and control isn't going to work. And you don't want to have that when you have a 17-year-old who's going to be going out in the world soon anyway, right? right? So there's a balance there that you have to have to look at. But the, again, the expectation is they still are in our home and there are still things that have to, you know, be done. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other last points I want to make here is that he says, you know, solving problems together where both parties are happy. I think that this is important for teenagers, like the teenage relationship with parents, because, you know, you have you have to have some trust that if if a child and, and yourself can say, OK, I wonder if there's a way that I can get what I need, but you can also make sure that you get what you need. And we can meet in the middle. So Mm -hmm. again, it's like, it's that flexibility. It's that, you know, having this conversation before the behavior already happens. I know this is all hard because I'm right in the trenches of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But man, I thought it was really good advice. And his website for more information about his work is livesinthebalance.org. We'll put those in the show notes too, but check out check out the website, check out the book because I definitely think he has a great message. The last topic on your list, ADHD girls and women. Yes. So this was, a again, as I said at the top of the show, very personal to me. Um, and so I went to this, uh, the pan- it was a panel, basically. It was three professional women and their three daughters. And uh, and it had kind of their experiences that they went through growing up with ADHD as being a girl, you know, an ADHD girl and being an ADHD woman. There is no doubt that there is a gender bias when it comes to girls and boys and ADHD. And I am right in the middle of that, too. So <laughs> <laughs> if your girl has you know, pretty good grades is a joy to be in class because she's very charismatic and uh, kind hearted. They don't see a problem. Um, So girls are getting missed and it's because they don't have behavioral problems. It's because they fly under the radar. They are people pleasers and they're really good at faking that they are paying attention. Mm. And uh, and they figure out how to cope. Yeah. Um, and they are gifted at just at better masking their issues. You know, I mean, that they just can do it. They can because they're not necessarily fidgety. They're not exactly, you know, walking up and down the hallways, you know, although I think my daughter is probably dancing up and down the hallways. <laughs> up and down the hallways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's something that's going on there. And so on the outside, everything looks great, but inside their life is in shambles. 
And uh, that's what we have to listen for. That's what we have to to look for. Yeah. Um, with girls, there's a lot, and women, there's a lot more guilt and shame because they always feel like a fraud. They feel like they're going to get caught. Um, they had an expression called, it, you know, it all works until it doesn't. So they're really good at faking it until it stops working. And that could be for a number of different reasons. I just had a funny thought. Can I? Yeah, please. <laughs> This is this. Have you ever? So you know what uh, RBF is resting B face, right? We don't swear on the podcast. Okay. You know what yes. I'm talking about, right? Yes. Right? I just had this thought, like, because I do this too, and it's not because I'm like fake paying attention, because what's in my head is inattentive, right? Like, it's right. Like fireworks, but I have resting attention face. Like I can <laughs> look. Mm, that's yeah, like resting that's attention face. Really There's interesting. nothing behind it, but I have RAF. I yeah. have RAF. We need to start a foundation, the resting attention face foundation. Absolutely. There's some. There's got to be some good we can do in the world for those of us who are super ADHD inattentive and all we have is resting attention face. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. That's very true. Very true. This is delightful. Yes. I feel like we've solved something big today. We did. Please continue. <laughs> well, so uh, one of the things, and this is this is true for women as well as young girls, but um, often getting diagnosed with anxiety or depression first. And uh, one of the things that one of the professional moms, she's a therapist, and, and she was saying when she has a client that comes in and they have anxiety or depression, she now almost always treats or always screens them for ADHD as well because she's learned over time that that could be the underlying cause of it. So that's something to uh, to be aware of because these conditions may cause the untreated or may be uh, because of the untreated ADHD. Uh, this I thought was kind of funny. Girls are hyperactive with their talking. So it's not uh, necessarily yeah. with their bodies and fidgeting, but with their talking. And I can definitely relate to that one. What about with their uh, with their phones? Like, are their thumbs constantly going because they're communicating or is it just mouths always going? Well, in my experience, it's always the little mouth going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, right. but I think that, you know, all kids with their phones is an issue. So I don't see it any more different than um any of her friends you know they're always on the phone doing yeah. stuff but yeah lots of talking going on lots of facetiming oh sure yeah, yeah. um this is discouraging 64% of uh young girls will have eating disorders um this is less for women that are in their 20s not really sure so why goes, so it goes down yeah it goes down Okay. For women in their 20s. Uh, but these are the things to look for. So if you uh, have a um, girl in your home that, you know, you're concerned about, these are the things that you want to be looking for. In school, they're the daydreamers. They're underachieving. So the grades don't reflect their hard work. Um, homework is taking longer than two hours or they forget their homework. They forget it at school. They forget it mm -hmm. at home. It just gets forgotten. Perfectionism can be um, something to look for. Lack of confidence and self-esteem because they feel different from their peers, but they don't know why. Mm -hmm. um, having a hard time with emotional regulation. This is true, I think, for any young girl, um, but especially true for somebody that has untreated ADHD. 
Um, again, more things to look for. If you've been diagnosed with anxiety or depression, have them be screening you for ADHD. If you notice your child is dropping in grades, especially in middle school, take notice. And also, again, take notice if your homework is taking longer than one to two hours to complete. Last thing she said is trust your gut. And uh, I certainly believe in that 100%. So... There so, you go. Uh, you're a changed mom. Look at you. you yeah. So well, much. I'm kind of advocating, you know, it's yeah. the process just to give people an update. It's just really frustrating because the doctor, her primary doctor um, basically said it was anxiety and uh, trying and to get. And there's probably some of that. There is. Who are we kidding? For sure. <laughs> um, but trying to get her into a an assessment has been really difficult. Like I got an yeah. email back th- just last week that, you know, they couldn't see her for six months. Oh, there was goodness. a six month waiting list. And so and then I've got emails That's out telling to, in itself. Isn't yeah, it? for sure. And I've got like probably two or three other emails to other providers to try to get her assessed. And so it's a, it's a frustrating process. But you know, I'm not, I'm not letting go of it. I'm going to yeah. keep calling and keep asking, you know, when I can get her in. And, um, she's fortunate. And I, you know, I say this humbling, I, I don't mean to, um, sound arrogant, I, I, but I'm, I'm treating it just like she does have ADHD. So I've been really helping her with her homework yeah. and, um, you know, we redid her whole binder system and um, I've been g- giving her lots of tools and strategies to help her and uh, giving her a lot of support and a lot of love. And, um, you know, I well, keep telling her. Well, that's never hurt anybody. No, no. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll figure it out. And I will definitely share the journey with everybody because, you know, it's important that we it's talk about It's what we this. do. It's what we do. Right. Well, I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate all of these lessons learned. I've made some notes of things that I need to go read, and they're going to be in the show notes. Uh, So thank you, everybody, uh, as always, for downloading and listening to this show. We deeply appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.